Hey there, everybody. Welcome to this uh, special edition, special episode, if you will, of Habits, Appetites, and Decisions. I had an opportunity to interview um, two ladies who happen to be white, who happen to have children uh, that are interracial. You will hear us refer to those children uh, in this meeting as black children, once again, um, due to the fact that that is how the culture sees them. And so what I'd like for you to do is uh, sit back and listen to this. This is a lengthy podcast, but I think it is well worth the listen. I think it is well worth the in investment into the knowledge and the information that you're going to get out of it. So uh, do me a favor and uh, take some time to pause, listen to this, take some notes, ask yourself some questions, think through this for just a moment uh, and enjoy. some more volume than that. All right. Hey, uh, welcome. Thank you guys so much for joining us here for another crucial conversation on a Tuesday night. I normally do these on a Thursday night, but I uh, needed to get both of the guests on here tonight. So I'm excited to have with me uh, Stacy Johnson and Chris Jackson. Um, they're going to tell you a little bit about who they are here in just a moment, but I want you to uh, sit back for just a moment and really take in what it is that we're going to be talking about here tonight. This is, this is um, um, what I'd like to call probably one of our uh, forgotten conversations uh, within, our, within our culture, within our country. Um, and we can't get into everything here in just an hour from caste systems to everything else, which is a whole nother conversation, but we will touch on as much stuff as we possibly can. Specifically though, the, what we wanted to talk about here tonight, one of the things that I wanted to jump in here tonight and have a conversation about was, you know, I wanted to talk to mothers who had black children who weren't black moms themselves. And some of you might be saying, well, are their children black? That's exactly what we are going to be talking about <laughs> here tonight, because I think that that's really where we need to land. That's one of the most important things that we need to have some conversation around is how our society actually views these young men. Now, let me be clear on this before somebody emails me or sends me a message <laughs> and says, hey, you know, what about the girls? I happen to have four mixed children, and here's the deal. They are somewhat more socially accepted. I didn't say completely. They are somewhat more socially accepted than black boys are. The reality is, and again, we'll get into this. You might say, D, you're starting really early with the stuff. Well, here's the deal. Black boys are seen as a threat in our culture uh, to... Um, primarily to white people. They, they are seen as a threat, whether it's their pants, whether it's braided hair, whether it's locks, whether it's, um, you know, uh, a hat worn a certain kind of way. Uh, uh, let's, I just want to be honest with you here tonight. I need you to kind of buckle your seatbelt because it, and I want you to hear it and not be offended by it. And if it's you, I actually want you to check yourself. Just check your heart. Just pay attention to yourself and don't try to deny it. Just say, yeah, that's, that's me. Um, again, a white kid could wear the same clothing 
and he would not be seen as the same threat as a black kid. And so we're going to jump into um, a lot of this here um, tonight. Uh, again, over the next hour, we're going to try to give you as as much as we can. And I think it's going to you're, you're going to you're going to get a lot out of it. It's going to be good. Um, but I do want you to listen, listen, listen. Don't sit here and say that's not me. One of the things I wanted to say up front, um, just as we move into this conversation is this, please do not say, I'm not prejudiced. I'm not after whether you're prejudiced or not. What we're after is educating you on things that go on in our culture that quite frankly, you may not even know about and that you probably just push to the side because <clears throat> again, it doesn't actually fall into your community. It doesn't fall and, and you hear about it and maybe you skipped past it on the news and you didn't think about it. But I also wanted to bring light to again this because these boys, even though their mothers are white, they are seen as black kids. And so we're gonna talk about that here tonight. So I'm gonna go ahead and start with Stacy, who's at the bottom of my screen right now. <laughs> Stacy, just tell us a little bit about yourself, how long you've been married, how many kids you have, and your boys, please. All right, um, Greg and I have been married for 22 years. We've been together for 25 years. Um, when we got married, he had two kids already, my bonus children. Um, Brittany's 32 and Gregory is 25, hard to believe that. Um, we have four children of our own. We have two daughters, Kasai is 19, Shiloh is 13, and then my twin boys are 15 years old. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And Chris? Yeah, um, so Chris Jackson, um, I have three children. My daughter is um, gonna be 30 this year, she's 29. <laughs> um, and she's expecting a baby, uh, a little boy. So she's going to have a black boy too. I'll be a mother, a grandmother of a, of a black grandchild. Um, and then I have two boys. Trey just turned 22 and Zach is 18 and a freshman at ASU. Awesome. Thank you so much for uh, sharing that with me, ladies. I really appreciate it. So here's what we want to jump into. I have a series of questions that are just going to kind of guide us and part of our conversation here tonight. And um you know, hopefully, again, help us, you know, get some some good things going that'll be super helpful for everybody uh, when it comes to um, asking questions about, you know, these scenarios and situations. And so let's let's begin with this tonight. The first thing I want to know, and we'll get into the boys, but the first thing I want to know for each from each of you and take as much time as you like is when did you first become aware in your own upbringing of um the real difference um between black people white people or any other people for that matter when did you when did you first become aware of that um i'll go first so i grew up in the midwest in a rural small small rural town and everybody looked like me right <laughs> um honestly the only black brown people i saw were on tv um, sports. We were a sports family, right? My dad was always watching sports. So um, probably my first experience was my brother went to college. Um, he went to a community college in Arkansas. And I don't remember, but he played basketball. And there was one or two black boys on the team. Um, and I remember my brother coming home and saying he had one of his teammates 
black guy in the car with him and every time he would get pulled over. Wow. Harrison, Arkansas, you know, in the eighties. And I remember thinking, well, that's weird because again, to me, it was just my brother's teammate, right? Um, so that was definitely the first time I realized that people were treated differently. And then of course, not until I went to college, because again, I stayed in my small rural town. I didn't interact with anybody that didn't look like me. Um, but when I went to college, you know, I went to college in St. Louis. So I was in St. Louis, St. Charles. And um, that's when I started hearing stories, right? Of, of um, not roommates, but dorm mates and, and uh, folks there. And that's when, you know, really started to notice, right? That things, things aren't the same. Um, so that's, that was my experience. Okay, thank you. And Chris? Yeah, I grew up also in the Midwest in Illinois, um, but I grew up in a very diverse town. I would say my high school was probably 60% black. So oh, wow. um, yeah, if I think about the, the mixture of race and color and, and brown and black skin, it was a pretty, um, it was a norm for me. In fact, when I went away to college, um, I didn't see as much. I went to University of Illinois and at the Big Ten school, it's a pretty mm -hmm. big population. And so it wasn't as concentrated. So I didn't see as many black and brown people as I was used to, um, which was a little different. So I would say um, my first recollection was actually probably in junior high. Um, I was in cheer and we would go you know, to away games. Um, and sometimes we would go up north to some more affluent schools that did not have black people. And I remember feeling some kind of way walking into those gyms and people, you know, looking at our team, like here comes, here comes the black kids, here comes the black team. Um, and even with the cheerleaders, how we were greeted or treated by the other cheerleaders where, you know, you get those kind of side looks and, um, you know, questions maybe sometimes. Um, I think the, the one pretty vivid memory I have though was after a game, we would, you know, occasionally we would stop at a restaurant for food, you know, on the way home and um, walking into a restaurant where we clearly were not welcome, mm. clearly. Um, and so that's when I probably, that's probably one of the first times that I noticed it. Um, again, it wasn't because of the color of my skin, but it was because of people who I was with. Um, but that, that's probably, I'd say junior high. And then from then on, you just become very aware of it. You can, you can see it in different places. So. so before I get into my question about the boys, I wanted to ask you guys this. When you became aware of it, what did it do to you? What, what, was, the, what was the thought? Like, how did it, did you think that, did you blow it off? Did you feel like you needed to assure maybe people that you knew or that you were around, that that's not who you were, um, that you were fine with them? What kind of things did it do for you in that regard? I think for me, obviously being in junior high, it didn't happen to me, right? It, I wasn't, it didn't happen to me. I think it was, it was a, what? I mean, it just, it, Makes sense, right? But then as I get into college and, and you hear some of the stories about, you know, 
especially the the young men and how they can't go to certain places, you know, where they are from certain parts of town or um, those kind of things. You just, it just, it's, it's just, it's, I don't know, just gross, right? Just like, I, I don't understand. And I don't, you know, um, it was more of that. Um, like Chris says, as you, when you get into talking about your own kids and, and your family and, and friends that you hear their stories, um, now it angers me, right? But back then it was just more of a, a just not understanding, right? And, and not comprehending why it has to be that way or why it is that way. Um, that's probably the best way I could explain it. Um, yeah. In my experience. Stacy, did you think that it was more widespread? Were you shocked maybe at other people who felt that way? Did you start to see more of it? Did it start to be? Oh, absolutely. More? Absolutely. Once you are exposed to it, mm -hmm. then, then you see it a lot more. And, and, you know, again, not to jump ahead, but I think that's what has to happen. Is that we have to call it out and, and we have to call it what it is. Yeah. Um, and, and we can't turn to turn a blind eye to it. Right. But absolutely. Absolutely. That's when you start. Well, then that's why this happens or, you know, sure things. Absolutely. Sure. Absolutely. absolutely. Thank you. And Chris, did you, so you had that encounter, you had that experience, you go into the restaurant, you're there. Was it, did you feel like you needed to blow it off? What did you feel after that? Like, how did you feel like you, like, where did you stand? Did you feel like you had to be in the middle, you know, of like, hey, these two things, was that how you felt about it? Can you guys hear me? I had some speaker issues, like all of a sudden my headset died. Um, I felt more aligned to my black and brown friends. Like I felt like I needed to take up for them or like, actually I just felt like I was a part of them. Like I was being judged too because mm. I was with them. Um, I didn't need to play the middle as much as, you know, I didn't, at that age anyway, I didn't feel like I needed to play the middle of trying to explain or justify or anything. It was more like, hey, we're people like like I like I was one of them. <laughs> like, yeah, my skin was that same color. It was like we were all together, and how dare you, you know, treat us differently? Um, yeah, I, that's kind of how I felt. Like, no, I appreciate that, and the reason again, I wanted I wanted to ask you all this is because again, because you are white women, and you did have this experience, and I wanted I want people to know what other white people think specifically what you guys had to think again now having black sons um you know how you saw it what maybe how you felt what you needed to do to kind of navigate that scenario and situation so let's jump into that um let, I, let talk to me about your boys the, the questions that i gave you won't be in order and this is the question that i feel like is most appropriate to ask first and and it's this is what have you told your boys about the current climate in this country and how you would like for them to navigate their their day to day their their movement throughout you know school community wherever they are what has been your conversation with your boys Ooh, we've had lots of conversations right um my boys are 
freshman in high school. And um, you know, this summer when everything started happening, when George Floyd situation, even before, you know, when um, Mr. Aubrey got shot, right? Jogging through his neighborhood. Um, the boys were about to start high school. And so if I get a little teary eyed here, guys, sorry. This You're is good. You're very good. emotional, right? Yeah. Um, Greg took them, they started football practice. They started football workouts the Tuesday of Memorial Day, after Memorial Day, right? So all this stuff has been going on. And they leave, Greg goes to take them. It's their first day of high school football workouts. And I lose it, you guys. I break down. And Greg comes back and he's like, what's wrong? Oh, your babies, you know? And I told him, I said, this hits different because they are one step closer to being out of my house. I feel like when they're in my house, I can somewhat protect them, right? I can't be with them everywhere, but they're one step closer. This means we're just one year closer to them being out in the street. And I, and I don't mean that in a negative way, right? Sure. But them, them not being in my house. Um, so, I mean, we, we talk a lot about this stuff, you know, and, and you know, they know racism exists. They know, you know, and it always has, right? They understand that, that the, our world is much better than it used to be. I mean, we, we do have those conversations too, that they you know it, it's much better than it used to be, but it's something they're going to have to deal with for the rest of their life. I mean, they are. And I am so thankful that, that Greg is here, right? To help guide them through that um, because, you know, I, I'm not black. I, I don't know what that feels like. And I think that's one thing I want people to understand is I'm not professing that I personally know what it feels like to have these things happen to me, but I know what it's like for my kids to go through some of this stuff. Mm. And as a mother, you know, I don't care if you're purple. As a mother, you want your children to be protected and safe. So, I mean, we, we talk a lot. We just, like I said, um, you know, we've had to have the conversation about if you're pulled over because they're 15, so they're going to be getting their permits. So it's just, it seems like at every stage, I mean, we started talking to them when they were nine because after Tamir Rice got shot in the park with a toy gun, you know, the rules of our house changed. You can't go outside and play with guns. And that was probably the first conversation, the real wow. first tough conversation we had with them because we're in a cul-de-sac full of kids and our kids are the only black kids. And, um, you know, everybody's outside playing with their, their Nerf guns or whatever and rules changed and, and call it being overly cautious. I call it being smart and being safe with my kids. And, um, you know, the boys get it. They, they know they're, they're respectful, you know, they're, they're respectful to everyone. Um, and we just, we continue to, you have to be safe. You have to be smart. You have to know your surroundings. You have to know who you're with. Um, we talk about it a lot. We, we have to talk about it a lot. And so it makes you feel like what though, Stacey? Can you describe, again, forget about I'm, color, just as a mom, you feel what way? Honestly? Um, yes. I, I, a lot of fear, a ton of fear as a mom, because again, you know, a parent's worst nightmare, something happening to your children, right? And, you know, lots of praying, <laughs> I will tell you that. I mean, yeah. 
ultimately um, their life is not in my hands, they're in God's hands. Um, but honestly, fear, and I, you know, I have a friend who's a counselor and she says, you know, especially during times like that, but a lot of people are in this hyper state of, of, um, of hyper being, right? right? Always, I mean, even, you know, walking to Albertsons, we live, I don't know, maybe quarter of a mile from Albertsons. And, you know, D, you were talking about, don't wear your hoodie. If you wear your hoodie, don't put the hood up. I mean, those are conversations we have at our house. And I don't think people, white people specifically understand that these are conversations that the Johnsons have at their house. Yeah. This stuff is real. And it, it, it's alarming and, and it's sad. It sads, saddens me. It brings fear and it also angers me that I have to have these conversations with yeah. parents, you know? Yeah, so. I really appreciate your honesty and transparency on that because I don't think that, again, a lot of people understand these are kind of the, and I hate to use the word the forgotten boys. I do think it's a forgotten conversation because when we see two parents that look alike, we instantly, we resonate, right? The, the culture resonates with that, the news resonates with that, the way their stories are told, so on and so forth. But then there's this other group of kids who, again, many of them, you know, and there's different tones uh, with those right. of us who have had, yeah. you know, interracial marriages, you know, the kids are, are different tones or whatever, whatnot. But still, at the end of the day, um, while, again, we're talking about the boys, I have had to explain to uh, my girls, I was like, you, you, you are considered You're a black girl. I'm sorry, no matter, yeah, no matter no. How, how many blonde hair and blue eyes your mother has, you are considered a black girl. That's just the and way that it is. Yeah, and that's the okay. truth. And that's the thing too, is I remember when the boys were young, you know, Greg and I, or before I even had them, well, before we even had Kasaya, you know, our conversations were, yes. And, and my kids fully understand they're half white. They love their white family. They have, totally. I mean, you know, it, they're totally. not, but guess what? They are, when somebody sees them, they see, and now they see a black man. They don't even see a black boy. True. They see a six foot, 200 pound man. Right. Black that's exactly man. exactly right. That's exactly so, right. So that's, you know, that's what they are. That's what they're, and, and they're proud of that too, right? Sure. They're, they're absolutely proud of that. But, sure. um, but it's certainly, it, it's different conversations at our house than my white, than our white couple friends have to have with their kids. Absolutely. Absolutely. 100%. Thank you. On, on that same topic of <clears throat> how society sees them, I remember, so um, I had um, grandma, my kid's, gram I, my kid's grandma, um, black grandma, was um, a part of raising them. She lived with us mm -hmm. for 15 years and helped raise them. Um, so she was another parent in the household. And I remember, um, them talking about that. Like we had those conversations like, Hey, you know, your children are black in society. And I remember being angry about that. I remember being like, except that they're not, except that they're biracial and they've got the best of all worlds. They've got this beautiful culture that they can experience on, you know, both sides and really understand who, like, I really wanted them to be biracial. Like I really, I wanted them <laughs> It, to, to accept that and, and embrace it and be proud of it. And yeah. you know, I remember my daughter saying to me, mom, we're black. And I was like, no, you're not. Right. Not because I didn't <laughs> want them to be black. Right. Because I wanted them to embrace who they were. Both. I felt right. like, 
I felt like it was doing, they were doing themselves a disservice Yeah. by identifying with just one part of who they were. Yep. And it right. was, I wasn't trying to avoid any of sure. the things that come along with being black. It, it, and at some point it, behind closed doors, I was like, but what about me? I'm part of you too. <laughs> like, oh yeah. <laughs> right. You know, and again, not because of the white or black, it was more of just, I wanted them to embrace who they were and how right. beautiful I believe that that was. So we, we've had those same conversations to say, you know, and, and I do remember similarly, like Stacy said, um, when the kids were at the age where they would ask to go to the mall, can we go to the mall and hang out at the mall? And like, what are you going to do at the mall? Well, we might just walk around and then maybe go to a movie. You know, they, they, this is where they were starting to get their freedom a little bit. You know, I yeah. said, the leash go. Yep. And I remembered having the conversation with both of the boys saying, I don't like it. It's not my favorite thing. I wish you would do something else. If you do go and you go in a store, no backpack, don't pick up anything you're not going to buy. Um, keep your hands out of your pockets, you know, and having those conversations with them yeah. and saying, I don't care if your white friends do any of those things, you no. cannot. Yep. So, you know, that, that was probably that junior high age when they were like, can we just what do you mean, mom? We just want to go to the mall. What's the big right. deal? You know, that's mm -hmm. where all the kids are. We just want to walk around. I'm like, yeah, but that just spells trouble. Like for right. you. Right. And that's a whole nother conversation. Again, we can, we, <laughs> we can certainly talk about it because, because I think it's important to have the conversation about it truthfully. So you're with your white friends and your white friends don't understand either because they're just like, right. hey, this is just my guy. We're this right. we're just hanging right. out, right? right. This, is, this yep. is my dude. And then they might be kind of caught off guard, kind of like your experience at the restaurant, Chris, yeah. and like Stacy, yours with your brother coming home. And you're right. saying, Well, what? well, wait a minute, hang on for a second. Like, what what's what's the big deal? But what they don't know is again how we are perceived in culture to be a threat so to chris's point you know you walk in the store and you may simply be profiled only because of the color of your skin yeah. not because and you know what you can have a wallet full of money your parents can yeah. your parents can be marketing executives and business executives <laughs> and and all this kind of stuff and can buy them pretty much whatever they it want from that store and it doesn't matter because they only view you from the color of your skin which again so much of this stuff is perpetuated by the media the stuff that the media puts out there the way that we're portrayed and you know i've been doing a lot of research on this so i just wanted to, i just wanted to kind of expound on this point a little bit uh, Chris and Stacy from, from this, I've been doing a lot of research on how something sticks to you like that, not just the caste system, mm -hmm. which we'll talk about that in, in, a, in a bit, but not just the caste system, the way these things are there, uh, but people have to put a label on you. And in the moment that they label you, that's the lens that they look through all the time. So I, I was even, I was even, uh, as I was going through some of this training and, and looking at it, I realized that um, some television shows that I, I even used to watch. One of them in particular was Cops. It was very interesting on Cops. They specifically would put 
a lot of people of color on cops more than anything else. So if you keep seeing that over and over again, now you have to understand some, some people might be saying, well, they just shouldn't be criminals. They shouldn't, and that sounds good. I get that, you're right, <laughs> you're right. Except for the fact that we don't make up the percentage of people in this country. So to show only that again, was putting us in a light that says you all are criminals, period. And that's just the way we see you. You were built to steal, you were born to steal, you live to steal. That's you're what you do. And okay. so you're a threat. And so as long as you see me as a threat, then no matter what I do, no matter, and, and listen, no matter my education, no matter the neighborhood I grew up in, no matter, no matter what it is, I'm perceived as a threat to you and to your safety whatever you deem that safety to be, whether it's your car door or whether it's your purse that you grip tighter when you see this, <laughs> yeah. this, you know, this person walking past you. So yeah, you know, the white friends like, yeah, we can go here, but you're like, uh, actually. <laughs> no, mm -hmm. we can't. Right. We yeah. can't. So even as a grown 51 year old man, I was having a conversation with one of the people in my community and and he asked me a question. He, he just asked me a question. He was like, man, I just, I just want to know. And I said, the most dangerous time for me is when I'm driving in my car at nighttime. I said, the second most dangerous time for me is if I venture into a neighborhood where I do not know somebody and that neighborhood happens to be a little bit more upscale. Doesn't matter if I was driving a, 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 a G wagon, doesn't matter. I'm, they are going to be like, hey, hey, listen, how did that happen? That's, and so it's just one of those things. Is that, that your car? Is it stolen? Is that your car? Now, this this, this true story, this really did happen to me. Uh, I had an Infinity. I'm driving back from California. And, you know, there's a checkpoint. I, I mean, real talk. The guy stopped and asked me, is that your car? Mm -hmm. and, and initially, my initial thought was to him, was to say, no, man, I actually stole it. And her <laughs> dude, her and these other kids back here, I stole everybody. Everybody's a hostage situation right now for me. That's really what I felt like saying. I was so irritated by it. That's what I felt like saying. But I realized, obviously, that that wasn't going to work in my favor. So, you know, you say you're quick, yes. And you, you, you yes, almost, yeah, you almost felt like you have to take, take the lump, right? And just say, mm -hmm. I got to take this because yeah. if I don't, then... If anything that I say, they're going to be like, that's exactly what I thought that you would do. See, so it, it's just, it's, it's almost a lose-lose situation. But um, let, let me ask you, uh, ladies, this. And then, Chris, I had a specific question to ask you from the conversation that we had and as well as with you, uh, Stacey. Yeah. But let me ask you this. What do you want people to know about your young men? What do you want people to know about them in terms of who they are and if you met them and things along those lines, what would you want them to know? They're boys. They're 15 year old boys, just like any other 15 year old boy. You know, they love football and basketball and to game, right? Um, they have good days, they have bad days. We've taught them to be respectful, um, which, you know, never been in trouble at school. Um, in fact, always the opposite. Teachers are always like, they're so great, um, but they're 15 year old boys. So they have hormones, right? <laughs> 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 um, 
they know they're biracial. They know they're black and they're white. But like I said before, they understand how they are identified in this world. Um, and, and I want people to understand that what happens in, in communities across the, the country impacts them. Um, you know, this summer, Titus, we're in COVID, right? So they're dealing with COVID like everybody else is too. Um, Titus was running every day. He was out jogging in the neighborhood to get ready for football, right? And then we had the shooting of Ahmad running through the neighborhood, right? He stopped running and, and he said, I'm not doing it anymore, mom. We live in a nice neighborhood, um, you know, no issues. And he's like, I, I just don't feel comfortable. Yeah. So every, all of this impacts them, you know, um, but they're, they're good kids. They're just, they're kids. They're just kids. They're just kids. And they're I think that's, that's an important message to know. They're, they're just kids. They're, they're right. kids, no matter how big they are, no matter really the color of their skin, they're, they're just kids. And I always go back to this thought. I'll never forget um, when uh, my third oldest daughter was born and I was, we drop her off at daycare. And I remember because I used to have to drive down this one street to, to take her there. And there was another daycare center that was close by. And what was interesting about this daycare was they have all the kids out on the playground playing, right? And everybody was playing with everybody. So the reality is of this, if we're just being honest, and if you're offended, again, I want you to listen and stop being offended. The reality is this is a learned behavior because if you drive by the playground, you will see these children playing with each other. And it's a shame now that we have to have these little commercials and little things on social media where you see the little white kid or the black kid run up to the other kids and you right? right? <laughs> or whatever. And everybody applauds for that and 15 million people do it. But when you start getting older and you start getting six mm -hmm. foot and 200 pounds, you're no longer the cute kid anymore. Now you're the yep. threat man to me. And that's yep. the thing. So we need to, we need to keep in mind again, that these are just boys and they want the same things. But Stacey, I was going to come back to you on the question, but you actually started touching on what I was going to ask you. You said they know that they are mixed. Have you had a conversation like that specifically with them and how they should, you know, what, 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 what did you, what did you want them to know about their being mixed? What did you want them to know? So it's funny, Chris said, you know, the, what about me, right? Like you're, you're half me. Come on now. Right. <laughs> exactly. Don't forget your mom right. and, and my side of the family. Right. Because I mean, yeah. I have my side of the family loves them as much or, you know, yeah. and, and we, we did have that conversation. I was like, you know, and they told me, they're like, listen, mom, yeah, we know we're white. And I mean, and they'll, you know, we're half white. Come on. Um, they don't, but they, it's that, they, they aren't, they aren't neglecting that side of themselves. Everybody else sees, right? Mm -hmm. They grew up probably, the elementary school they went to was predominantly white. Um, then as they got into middle school, you saw the demographic changing a little bit in our area. So there were definitely more black kids. Um, and we saw them transitioning to, you know, their friends were becoming more, looked more like them. And it's because that's where they felt safest, right? Because 
it's just, I don't know, I, I don't really know how to explain it, but they're just, they're more comfortable because they deal with the same things. But absolutely, we've had the conversation about, hey, don't forget, you know, don't forget about mom, I'm in somewhere. And they're like, mom, we know that. And we love you. And, and we respect that we're white. We appreciate that we're white, but <laughs> we look black, mom. So we're black. Um, I mean, and it's just, it is, it's reality. And, and even, I know this is about boys, but specifically, but even with our girls, sure, right? Sure. Um, Kasaya had mostly white friends because she was one of, you know, maybe three or four black kids in her grade. Yep. And um, it was very, I think it was honestly, I don't know why, I think maybe it's a female thing, but I think it was harder for her because she was seeking that acceptance more. Yes. Even deal with yes. that. And I'm D, I'm sure, and Chris, you too, with mm -hmm. you. Um, you know, again, there's that whole, we could have that whole show about biracial girls, right? Um, I'm going to have it. I'm going to have it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not black so, enough for um, the black girls, not white enough for the white girls. Yes. Right. Right. True. True. And, and I don't think boys deal with that as much. I don't know. I, I just sense that this generation, and, and I don't know if it's because of social media, uh, they seem more open to having friends who don't look like them, right. um, you know, and, and I, I love that. I absolutely love that, obviously. Um, but it just seems like the kids, uh, this high school age and even Kasaya and down, you know, Trey and, and, and your kids too, they just seem to, to be more aware of it. And, um, and, and that's a great thing. But yeah, we definitely have had that, you know, your half white conversation and, and they get it. They do get it. They absolutely get it, but they do fully understand that. They but you feel like they embrace that part of them though too, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's funny because when you say that, you see all these white boys who wanna embrace the black culture. So, I mean, yeah. what is a white culture? You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I mean- There isn't one. No, there isn't, there isn't. So for, if you're offended, I'm just telling you the truth, look it, it up, there just isn't one, but okay. Right, so um, when we say they embrace being white, I guess it's more like, I mean, they don't, they don't hate being half white. <laughs> you know, I don't know how to really explain that. They just, they know who they are and they know who the mom is and they know who that side of the family is. Well, I think that was important. And that was the question that, I, well, that was the thing I was really ultimately trying to get to is do they just simply know who they are? Is that the messaging in the house between yourself and Greg? And the things you know that you continue to push for with them is like, hey, just you, you got to know who you are, regardless whether yeah. you're super light, super dark, blonde yeah. hair, blue eye, whatever, whatever, long hair, short hair, skinny, fat, whatever. You know, because what's funny is they're gamers too, right? They play PlayStation online. And um, <laughs> Titus the other day was, or maybe it was Simeon, I don't know, but they were like, yeah, we were playing the game the other day, and this guy was like, you're black. You, you don't sound black. And they're like, what do you mean I don't sound black? What does that even mean? You know, so then that started that whole conversation, right? <laughs> that's, that's a whole nother show. I was going to exactly. say, is that one, is that, do you have a microaggression show too? Right, microaggression, <laughs> exactly. That's a whole nother show, absolutely. Oh, geez. Well, but along those lines, along those lines about knowing who you are, I, um, when Zach was a senior in high school, I overheard him talking to his buddies um, about getting pulled over. So we've had that same conversation about what you should do. You should comply the whole thing. Um, 
And I heard him say, you know what, if I get pulled over, I'll just tell the cop that my mom's white. And that'll, that'll help. No, and that's I was like, <laughs> You're right. and somebody else might look at that, Chris, and go, yeah, that's kind of crazy. But really, it's a survival instinct. Yes. To say that. Absolutely. I know. I know. And so we had a good conversation about that. That was a great door open for me to be able to say, let's talk about that. What does that mean? Right. Just so, so you're going to, you're going to claim the white part of you to get out of trouble. And he's mm. like, well, I'm not going to be in trouble. I just don't want to get hurt. And I mm. was like, that's right. Okay. That's right. And, wow. and, and it was, it's, wow. it's a sad state to even have to think that, that, you know, like, okay, if I just get to claim that I've got white in me, then, right. then that'll, that's my get out of jail, you know, free card. Um, but we, yeah, wow. profound. Very profound. It's, it's yeah. a fact that just, it is what it is. Let's jump into some of that conversation with you too. Uh, Chris, you told me you had read a book when we okay. talked a, a couple of weeks back. And um, the one thing in in particular that really stuck out to me was the trip that you all just took recently. Uh, I think I think that would be really good for people to hear and kind of okay. what your take was on that um, trip. And I think yeah. that would be really good for people to hear. Yeah. So the book that, um, that he's referring to is White Fragility. And um, I work for an organization that has been so amazingly open about having conversations about racism and social injustice and is encouraging it, is providing resources. Um, the author from White Fragility was at our diversity symposium. Wow. So we got to hear her speak. Um, and if you haven't read the book, um, I encourage it. Um, it really just talks about what right, white privilege really is. And um, the book for me opened my eyes to a lot of things that I did not know that I had in me. Like I've, I've always felt woke. <laughs> I've always felt like I understood, you know, I have yeah. black family, black friends, black children. Um, like I mentioned to you, I was raised in a community that was diverse. And so um, it, it, it wasn't until I read the book that I realized that whether I want it or not, by virtue of just having white skin, I have privilege. And um, so what happened, what, what comes out of the book is there's parts, there's a piece of the book that talks about how we can move freely with white skin about the country and go to places that we don't have to think about. I don't have to think about driving, like Dee said, I don't have to think about other than being a woman and being, right. you know, safe about being a woman, my skin color, I can go places freely. Um, and so we just recently took a trip to Heber um, over Christmas and we went into a restaurant and I, this one specifically with my daughter, but I could see her whole countenance change when we walked in this place. It was, you know, Heber is a small town up in Northern Arizona that is predominantly white and it's, it's um, probably known for hunting and just that demographic. And so when we walked in this, the country restaurant um, and when we walked in, I could see her whole countenance shift where she was surveying, being on the lookout. Like, and I said, I'm like, are you okay? And she's like, 
yeah, I'm fine. I was like, well, clearly something's wrong. She's like, nope, nope, I'm good. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when we left the restaurant, she said, I'm sure they were glad that when these black people left, I'm sure they were glad to see us leave. Now, I don't think about where, I don't have to think about where I go. Like, I was like, let's go eat. This sounds good. I saw their menu. They have things I can eat. Like, let's go. I didn't think about Heber being a place where she or my son might feel uncomfortable. Zach is a little more open. We've had some good conversations. Um, Manda's just hypersensitive, um, not in a negative way. She's just aware and she's older and she's had different experiences than Zach has had. Um, But I think for me, what that, what the book brought and what I'm more aware of now than ever, it, it actually, and I, I shared this with you, Dee, it brought some guilt and shame to me, to be quite honest, where I was like, wow, I had no idea that I've said things unintentionally, that I've done things unintentionally, where my black and brown friends might not have felt comfortable. Like, come on, let's go here. You'll be fine. What do you mean? Why are you worried? Like, it's it's good you know and and like encouraged it and and also with my own children now that I'm thinking about it right this this Heber experience so I think it's just it's important for us to recognize as as white parents of black children and and with our black family um because like you said Stacey I'm not black I I won't experience it I've not experienced racism because of my skin but because of who I'm with and my family Um, I've experienced prejudice, but that's different. Um, right. And so I think it's, it's just eye-opening to know that we just, we have, we have the privilege of being mm-hmm. white. Period. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think too, what for people to say that there isn't such a thing, it's like, <laughs> you don't know what it's like not to have it and you're not listening you're not listening and that's the part that's where i get angry right is yeah. where i'm like crazy. the people that are telling you it exists is not telling you that to make you feel bad or no. to make you have guilt but it yeah. can bring that right sure they're not telling you that for that reason they're telling you that so that they want you to understand it's not like that everybody yeah. you know when the kids were probably five or six years ago, they were younger. I took a trip back to my family and we went to Branson, Missouri. Okay. And you know, the country music capital, it's like little Vegas, but for country, right? And um, no gambling though. Anyway, we went to Silver Dollar City and the boys at the time were probably 10, 11, they were just starting to grow. They had their hair blonde on top. And, you know, and as we're walking around the park, I start, you know, you start seeing people turn to look at them, right? Because they're legitimately in this amusement park, there was us and there was another black family. And that was it. The whole amusement park, you guys, for the entire day, we saw five other black people. And it was me, Greg didn't go back with us to visit that trip and my niece, my brother's daughter, and she's white and she was, you know, she's in high school and she doesn't pay attention to that, right? So I'm noticing this stuff and we went to eat. And again, you kind of see people looking at me and the kids. We went to the hotel, the hotel had an indoor pool. 
So Alex, my niece is in high school. I send her and the kids down, right, to go get in the pool. And I follow them just by a couple of minutes. I don't know what I was doing. And as I walk in, my kids are starting to get in the pool. Now, nobody knows I'm their mom, right? I'm the white lady walking in, just another white lady. There's these black kids and my niece. And I see, I go and sit down and I see a guy tell his kids to get out of the pool when my kids got in the pool. And I sat there and I didn't say anything because I didn't want him to know I was their mom because I needed to make sure nothing else crazy was gonna happen. And I'm sitting there watching this and my boys, again, they're boys and they're twins and they're constantly wrestling and fighting and, you know, I mean, just being boys. And they're splashing in the pool and this guy, he, he and his family are over in the hot tub. And you could just tell he was, he was just watching them just with this look on his face. And I was like, I can't believe that this legitimately is happening with some little kids, right? So we get ready to leave. They get out of the pool. He looks at his kids the minute my kids get out of the pool and says, okay, you can go get in now. Yes. Blew my mind. In the 2000s. Yes. yes. And when you really think about it, you really think about it from our civil rights movement to everything else, we could put that 50 plus on there, but that's still not a long time ago. No, no. And Chris, sorry, I'm trying to hijack your conversation. No, you didn't. You didn't. I want us to be as organic as possible here yeah. with, with, with this. And so it really so piggybacked right on it. Kind so, of the same thing. I didn't think about my kids walking down to the pool without me. Yes. No. Think about it. We're at the hotel. We're, they want to go swimming. They go swimming. So I've had this conversation with my wife who's like full Polish, right? So <laughs> let me say this, let, let, me, let me say this to you guys because I think this is, I think this is Im important piece right here. We're not segueing away from the kids, but I, I wanted to jump into this thought about what you guys don't necessarily have to think about um, in, in the, you know, in the process of where I take them, where I do the, so your mind doesn't say, like my wife isn't walking next to me saying, well, I'm married to this black guy. I'm just her husband, right? And these, these are just my children. So you don't have to switch anything on because it's there. So I have a question for you. I have a question for you. Do you think it's just due to the fact that you've had the relationship that you don't think about it, right? That you don't, you don't have to click it on. Like you, you don't have to look at somebody and say, oh, they're black. Do you think it's that because you've been in more culture, do you think that is just exposure to more black culture? Do you think, am I making sense of my question or what I'm asking you? Because there isn't a click on for my wife because like, you know, people will ask you stuff like, well, what is it like to be married to? And you're like, what? Do you what? Mean? <laughs> right, exactly. right, cause you're like, you're like, what? Like, like we just, we, we just, like, I want the same things you want. We want our kids to be well-adjusted, happy, 
you know, well-rounded, get good grades, be good citizens, so on and so forth. We don't, I don't, my wife doesn't come home every day or I come home and I, and I go, you're looking pretty white. <laughs> like, you look pretty good for a white girl today. You're looking pretty black. It just, it just doesn't happen. Yeah. You know what I mean? So do, I know how I would chalk mine up, but I'm, I'm interested in how you guys would chalk it up. Is it just due to the relationships that you had and, and the children that are a result of that? Or do you think it was, again, just exposure overall again to black culture mm -hmm. that has assisted you in not having to, again, switch it on somewhere? Or is it a combination of both? I think for me, it's a combination of both because it's, you know, Stacey and I had different upbringing. So for me, I, you know, like I said, my upbringing was, I, I was exposed <laughs> to different people's skin colors at, a, at an early age. But I think it, it just goes to what you had said at the top of the hour, which is just ignorance. You know, I, it's the exposure that gets you the education. So it's not, I'm not afraid of it. I'm not curious about it. I'm not like I, it's just a part of who, who I am and, and how I identify um, and, and how I see things. And so I know years ago when I was younger, I would say like colorblind. I know that that's not a politically correct thing to say now. And I understand why, because that's basically erasing any differences. Which okay, you're, you're saying it, go ahead. I was gonna say, go ahead and touch on that for a minute <laughs> yes. because I think that's an important people. I don't see color. Well, if you don't see color, right. then you're not right. seeing people. Right. Not seeing but people. I used to say that, like sure, again, right. when I, and that was one of the right. things in the book that I was like, crap, I used to say that. I said it out of the best intention, meaning right. Right. it's, didn't matter to me. It didn't, I didn't, I didn't move in the world differently because I was right. standing next to you or someone else. It was like that. That's just how I lived. It's how I had friends. It's how I had relationships. So that didn't, that's where that came from for me. Now I understand saying that means that I don't see the differences that really exist and honor and respect that, which I do. So I right. won't ever say that again <laughs> um, right. because I'm educated now. But I think, I think for me, it's a combination of how I was raised and just who I surrounded myself with and, and the, the comfort level where it's like, I don't have to flip a switch. I don't, I don't have to look through a room and figure out how many of, of each color are in a room. Um, I used to attend a church in Illinois where I was the only white person. <laughs> like wow. I was the minority, <laughs> but I never, I didn't feel out of place. I might've made other people feel out of place, but I felt <laughs> at home. Like I was like, this is, right. this is that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother <laughs> thing because, because I think in predominantly black churches when that happens, I, there's, I think the acceptance is, way different than if you walk in and it's the opposite where you're the, Absolutely. the only black person you walk into a church that's predominantly white I think because black folks black folks it's, it's just different that's a whole nother thing I don't want to yeah. get off on a tangent here let, let me let me <laughs> let, 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 let me um go ahead and answer Stacy um I think it's a combination you know here's here's the thing I grew up in it was an all-white community but i was raised that you treat everyone the same right yeah everyone the same 
for us was it didn't matter where you worked. It didn't matter how much money you had or didn't have. It was more an economic yeah. thing, right? Um, but I, that's how I was raised. I mean, that's my family has, you know, treated everyone the same. You give people respect. You respect people. Yeah. Or who they are or where they come from. So while I wasn't around uh, different skin colors growing up, that was always, I mean, that was the thing, right? You just, you treat people with respect. You, you value everyone, you know, the, the, the golden rule, right? You treat everybody how you want to be treated. And that just carried over to me that it shouldn't matter what you look like right. more than it should matter how much money you do or don't have. Um, and, and the same with Chris, I think it's just, then who I surrounded myself with, the friends I had, you know, now the family that I have, um, it's just natural, right? Yeah. It's just natural. And I think this is important for people to understand because again, I think people on the outside of these relationships look into these relationships and they're saying one or two things. It's gonna be a little harsh for those of you who are listening, but it's still the truth. They're like, I would never ever do that how could they do that? And then there's right. other people that are just genuinely curious, how does that work for you, right? So it's just kind of one of those things, but I think it's important for people to understand, again, you still want the same things. You want the same things. It's not a, it's not a skin tone issue. It's, it's a human, we're talking about human beings and it's important for that to be understood. Let me, let, you know, me, let me go ahead. Can, go ahead. I, can I just say one thing? Greg and I talk all the time and we actually talk to the kids about how while we grew up very differently, meaning he's black, I'm white, our values were the same. Um, you know, he's from originally from small Texas, small town in Texas, where it was hard work and, and respecting people. And that's the same yep. way I was brought up. So while our skin tones aren't the same, our values are the same, our desires are the same, how we treat people are the same, and that's yeah. just how we live, right? Absolutely, live. absolutely. And, I, and again, I think as much as we can normalize this for people to help them understand that really we're not coming home with these wild, you know, thoughts and views right. about each other, and, right. and, you know, hey, listen, I, I see you over there. That's, that's you know, it's coming out. You know, it, it just doesn't happen. So it's weird, weird stuff what people think. Let me ask you this. Let me let me kind of go back to the friend question. Do you, do you, have you had to have conversations with the boys about the friends that they choose? This is a two-part question. About the friends that they choose and have your boys had to have conversations with their friends about racism? Chris, do you want to go first? Or do you sure. want to yeah, I, I don't remember having conversations um, with them about their friends. They, they, um, their friend group growing up was, was, they were, it was a good group of kids. So I don't remember having to have conversations with them about their friends outside of the one that I talked about. Like when you go to the mall, you might be with white friends. Um, as recent as Zach going to college saying, you know, depending on who your circle is, um, I just want you to be aware that if you do get pulled over, you might get treated different and, you know, those kinds of things. Um, and I just read, I just asked them, um, I you know, just visited Trey in Texas this weekend and we, we had a pretty good conversation about 
you know, what their experience has been. Um, they said that they didn't really have to have conversations with their friends um, or say, hey, yeah, I can't go there or, hey, let's watch out. Maybe more in a joking way, like, like boys do. Um, but um, yeah, we, we haven't, personally haven't had to have that conversation. And I even, I even said to them, do you remember me ever talking to your friends? Like, did I ever say to them, you know, hey, and I think what it was, and, and this is what Zach said, he would, he said, you always said, watch out for each other. So if he went to the park with a white right. friend, right. he said, I, I'm pretty sure that might've been implied, but you never outwardly said, you know, because of race, but it was more like, hey, watch out for each other. Just yeah. take care of each other, watch each other's back. Yeah. yeah. I think that's huge. That's important. Thank you. Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't we've not had conversations. The boys, like I said, they, they've kind of transitioned from when they were elementary and first part of middle school, a lot of their friends were predominantly white and that was because of their school environment. And then as that demographic changed, um, their close friends, now they're friends with a lot of boys, don't get me wrong, but the ones who come to our house um, for the most part are predominantly black. Um, so, I mean, they have a couple of good white friends that'll come over every now and then, but we, you know, we know we haven't really had those conversations with them. I know the boys have those conversations with their friends um, around, you know, kind of how things are different for them. But again, I think I just, I don't know, maybe I'm pie in the sky here, but I just feel like with everything that's been happening, these kids are more aware that I, I feel like the kids that are friends with my boys kind of kind of get it now right I mean yeah. make full yeah, more than ever. they're like me they're aware right they're they're aware that it might not be the same for Titus and Simeon as it is for them um but no I I at least I haven't now Greg may have had a conversation with them um but but I don't think we've we've actually sat down and spoken to their friends about racism specifically yeah so so the reason why I asked is personal story real quick is, you know, I grew up with this kid and his mom was super good with me. Mm -hmm. And uh, Stacy, I believe you've been to the side of town where I grew up on mm -hmm. your husband because we grew up literally on the same side of town. Yeah. Uh, well, at least I grew up, well, I went to high school on the same side of town that um, Greg grew up on. <laughs> <And> so... <laughs> Yeah. So I moved there from really more of a of of a uh, predominantly black community um, on the other side of mm -hmm. the, the community, the tracks. It was a Hispanic community. But where Greg grew up and where I went over there, it was predominantly Caucasian. And um, it was interesting. He was like, we were good. We had to walk to school the same way. This is my freshman year. We had to walk to school the same way. And all that's how we met. We played on the football team together mm -hmm. and all this. Now you have to understand it's 1984. Um, and it's interesting because I was good to go to his house when his mom was there, but not when his mm -hmm. dad was there. But 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 his mm -hmm. dad said, here's 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 what's his excuse when he said his dad was there because his dad was a truck driver. So 
he said, well, when he comes home, he's just like the rest. He likes the house quiet and all this other kind of good stuff. But then we ran into each other as adults, literally here in Phoenix, we ran into each other as adults and I had been married for some time. I think uh, Jasmine was maybe like five or six or whatever, whatnot. I ran into him. He, he owns a business here and so on and so forth. And we were talking. He's like, man, I, I do want to tell you something. And he told me, he was like, he's like, my dad just didn't like black people. Wow. So he said, that's why you couldn't come to my house when my dad was there. And he goes, but that wasn't who my mother was. It's very mm -hmm. interesting. It was very mm -hmm. interesting, right? Because it was it was a weird thing. I never met his dad. I never mm -hmm. I never saw his dad. Four years school, I never saw him. He and I, he he would come to my house all the time. My dad was like, "Hey, what's going on?" Da, da, da. I don't want to say his name, but right. you know, he would come over and so on and so forth, and we would just hang out and whatnot, so on and so forth, and do stupid stuff. But um, <laughs> Yeah, that, that was really the reason why he didn't, didn't and, and I told him, he was like, man, I just need to, he goes, I needed to get that off of me. He's like, because we were friends and he goes, I couldn't, I couldn't say it. He goes, because I didn't want the friendship not to be there. And, you know, so I was like, hey, listen, man, I said, I appreciate you sharing that with me, so on and so forth. But his mom treated me incredibly well. I have to be honest with you. She treated me incredibly well. So, you know, I was, I, I, I was good with that. And so I just wanted to know, you know, if you felt like you needed to say, hey, I want you to pay attention because while they may like you, their parents, different generation may not. The second thing that I wanted to say in this is that, again, our, our society, and this is what I feel, these are D's feelings. So um, <laughs> this is what I feel. I feel like our society, I feel like our culture, I feel like this country is in a major shift. I feel like this country is in a major shift where what used to be the norm is no longer the norm, even from color. And other people of color have are now being put in, in other positions of authority, of other positions of power, um, and different things along those lines. And I think that that has brought about a lot of the angst as well that we see and that we feel and that we sense um, in this country right now that there are a certain group of people, not all, not all white people, but there are a certain group of white people who are like, hey, I'm actually losing my ability to be white wherever I want to be white, however I want to be white, when I want to be white. And I think that that has caused some uh, some struggle. And it's hard for, for white people to say that because they're like, no, 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 that's not, that, I don't feel that way. And you do, because when you start having conversations like this, they, you can feel it, they start to get a little tense and you're like, there's really no reason for you to be tense if you actually didn't feel what I just said to you. The, the culture is shifting, people are shifting. And so that's a challenge for you. And um, you know, it's just a difficult thing to see. And so I, I think that, you know, we're feeling kind of like the birth pains of that transition and, and that change. And so it's brought about this this anger and this this bitterness, this hostility even. And uh, so that's just my little two cents about that. I have a couple more questions for you all and then we will, um, you know, uh, wrap up. What do you guys, this, this one right here is probably gonna ruffle some feathers from people, but I want their feathers to be ruffled and uh, dried and blow dried and all the other kind of good stuff. Um, what do you, uh, uh, other black people may not view your children or other black kids even as fully black? 
Do you think that's fair and what would you like for them to know? Yeah, I think it goes back to the comment that I made about just the, the what our biracial children experience that they're not black enough for the black kids. They're also not white enough for the white kids. And so they, where do they fit? And, and um, how, do they, how do they identify? Um, when I talk to my boys about it, we just had this conversation this weekend. They, they, they didn't feel, they, they felt fortunate enough to be in a friend group where they, they felt like they fit. So um, they felt accepted for who they were and they, they had both black and white friends. So it was, you know, wasn't one or the other predominantly. Um, but I think that that's, that's just is where, where, does, where do our biracial kids fit in society because society labels them black because their skin is brown. So that's just where they're at. Um, but are they really accepted? And so for, I, I feel fortunate that my kids haven't had to feel like that they don't fit. That's good. That's good. I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah, I think our boys are the same. Honestly, Chris, I mean, they, they have biracial friends who experience the exact same thing. <laughs> yes. Right. Yeah. I mean, they do. They, they have a few, several uh, biracial friends who, who, get it. In fact, their football team, their youth flag football team, um, probably what, three of the six kids were biracial. The, we had, as he called this him, he called himself this, he said he was the token white boy on the team. And then we have black kids too, right? So they've, I, I don't, it's not fair, right? I, I think it's it's no different than, frankly, you know, skin tone, even in the black community, if you're lighter or you're darker, I mean, they don't feel that. They, they feel accepted. Um, and I think they've just navigated again, they're 15, they still have a lot to go through, right? Um, but like Chris's, Chris's boys, they, they're comfortable where they are and they haven't, um, they haven't really experienced that. This it might be more of a girl thing, I think, Stacy, as you had alluded to earlier, right? You know what? I really, I sincerely feel like it is a girl thing because yeah. thinking about Kasaya and, and Shiloh and, you know, them coming home and crying because their hair wasn't straight and their lips full and they, they have to get a different kind of jeans because their body shape is different. Um, I do think it's, I, I think you're onto something there, D. I think it is more. It, and, and, I would agree. Yeah, Amanda had the same. Amanda had the same experience. Yeah, yeah. I would agree. Because boys can't. I mean, you know how guys are. They just kind of eh, go with the flow. I mean, you know. We do for the most part. Yeah. For the most part, and and we again, for not, the most part. not saying it's not out there. They've just not experienced it. I guess. Yeah. Yeah, it might be more of the girls do that. Like I said, I really probably need to do a show with that, and I will, um, with with the girls. And I, I'm hoping to actually get a whole bunch of girls on and have them kind of be talk awesome. about it and just let the girls just kind of go into it and say, this yep. is Graham. There's somebody did a documentary of it, and my wife and I watched it. It was pretty amazing to sit and listen to these girls talk about the challenges that they had. <laughs> Really? you know, with other girls saying, oh, you're not this or you're that or whatever, whatnot, and you're not this and that, that. why'd you get your hair braided? Why didn't you do this yeah. or whatever? All of a sudden, girls, stuff, whatever. Girls are more judgmental too. I mean, let's, you know. It's, it's rough being a teenage girl. It is, it is. 
<laughs> it's a rough situation it being is. a teenage girl. Um, <laughs> I think the last question that I want to ask you guys is, um, what do you think is the way to start to bring education, um, real knowledge, and, and a genuine way forward with this, these type of topics, with racism, with putting people in these categories um, to say, well, this must be who you are because this is the color of your skin. How, what, what, what do you think the best path forward is education wise and to help people across the board, even, even come together? This is a big question, but I'm just giving you enough for you to just kind of work through and kind of massage a little bit. Just to come together and say, like, like what, what, what should people know? What, what, what kind of, what kind of insight should they have? What, where should they, where should they even begin? Um, you know, again, I love, I love what, what Chris's journey is because she, she ran into this book and she ran into this diversity here, and then she saw this and she was like, whoa, this is a cool thing. But with that, Chris. Where do you think people should start? Do you guys think that they should sit down with black people and have conversations? I personally do believe that, I'll be honest with you. I do believe that. I told, uh, again, another guy here in the community that was doing some, some stuff, he wanted to talk to me. And I told him, I said, there's things that you will not know until you sit down and have a conversation with somebody who doesn't look like you I said, and you will continue just to stay in your own mind or the way you grew up and this, that, or the other. I said, but you have to have that conversation. Two weeks later, he came, we sat on my back patio for four hours and had a conversation. And he walked away saying, I never knew that, never knew that I was even going down that pathway, never knew that I even thought down that pathway. But do you guys think that's the only way or is there another way for these types of conversations to be had where we can really bring people together with these discussions and people, we can't stop people from being offended, but I think that I think that we certainly can, the people who are ready to hear, people who are ready to have conversations, people who are ready to be open about it and not say, oh, because I'm white, you automatically assume. No, we're not assuming that. What, what we are saying is, is you may not have the full story on how you're addressing an issue and for example, you might say something like affirmative action is the worst thing ever. But the reality is, is that you have the NFL in 2021 uh, granting teams an additional third round draft pick if they promote black coaches when 60 plus percent of NFL players are black. That doesn't Makes sense. I just saw on the news yesterday when I got up, the Buccaneers won this award because it's Black History Month. They won this award because they had five coaches. Two of them were women, three of them were black, black. and no team had ever done that before. Two women, and two, again, our society is changing and people are pushing against that, but I don't think that that should be a celebration. 
in my opinion, that should just be normal. Right. That should be price of entry, but it's not. We're not there yet. We're not there yet. So I asked you a, a supercalifragilisticexpialidocious question. So go for it. I I think um, I think yes, you sh you should be curious. I think you know the the coach and me gets it, it's about you know getting curious instead of making assumptions that you know everything. And so you are only going to reach the people that are ready. You know, there's going to be um, a part of our population that's not ready and doesn't think this applies to them. And we can't reach those people. And those people are, they're not ready. But the people that are ready that, that do, that might've felt a little bit of a twinge in this conversation, or, you know, um, I hope you get curious and I hope you know that there's, there's so many resources. There's so many Ted talks. There's so many books. There's so many um, videos. And um, I think if, as, as long as it comes from a good place um, with a good heart to be curious with a black friend or colleague or um, someone that you might not have had a conversation with and, and lean into that, that being uncomfortable and, and, but genuinely asking questions from a place of wanting to be educated, not from, um, from a place of being, you know, crappy about it, but, but really wanting to understand. I, I think that, and, and this is coming from a white person. So, <laughs> um, I think if anybody were to ask me about what it's like to have biracial children, I would love to have that conversation because that to me signals that you want to learn or you want to know and you want to be educated. So I, I think that that's, that is the way forward is to continue to have these conversations in this dialogue, reach the people that are ready. So you will, you're, you're totally fine with that. And I think that's really important for people to know who are watching this. There's a couple of comments in here, by the way, but for, for people who are, who are watching this, you want people, you're saying, Hey, listen, if you see me, don't, don't be weirded out. If you have a question, yeah. obviously don't, don't pull me aside when we're having dinner at a restaurant. Excuse me, but <laughs> you, you're open to a genuine uh, inquiry into, Hey, how do I, educate myself how do I grow myself in this that's something you're open to yeah and I and I think I don't know there might there may be a unique angle um with with someone like Stacy or I who is white but does have connections to the black community where maybe some of my white friends would say hey can I say this like they may feel more comfortable asking me sure I don't know. yes that's good where, where I'm not going to be offended because it's, it's not me, I'm not black, but I could answer on behalf of my black friends, family, colleagues to say, yeah, that's not a good idea. Don't ever say that. <laughs> or actually, that's a great point. I actually had a, a cousin, you know, in some of my posts on Facebook, she reached out to me and she goes, you know, you have such a unique perspective. Yeah. White person and living in a black world. And, and I don't mean that, you know, I mean, it's what it is. I'm raising, we're raising black kids. We live in that world. So we see things so much differently and our eyes are so open to things that we maybe otherwise wouldn't have seen. Right. I, I don't know. Um, 
but I think that that's, that's a great point and, and me too, right? I mean, I'm yeah. more than happy. In fact, I say that all the time to people. I'll even say, you know, you really should talk to somebody that doesn't look like you. If you really want to know why this is this way, why don't you ask somebody who is saying it impacts them and really listen to them? Because that's my, if you really want to know, if you really want to ask the question, be prepared to listen yeah. and accept the answer that you get because it may make you uncomfortable, but mm -hmm. it's not about you personally, right? Don't, don't, I mean, you should take it personal and that if it, it should change you, if, if that's what you need, but it's not an attack on you, right? It, it's, if you ask a question, you have to be prepared to hear an answer. And, and that's probably one of my biggest frustrations is with my white friends is I am white. So when I say that these things happen, I'm not making this up. <laughs> right. my family, my black friends, they're not just out here trying to play victim. Yeah. You know, D, you know, you were raised the same way. Yes. Victims, we will, we will forge our own way. We will make our way. The, these are not things that are made up. And, the, and that's yeah. the thing that frustrates me is it's like, what do I have to gain from saying that this is happening in the world, right? right. I have nothing to gain from that. So you know, you just hope that that people will have those conversations, right? I mean, I I think there's intentional racism. I think to your guys' point, there are people who are just gonna be that way and then they're unintentional. And those folks who have that unintentional, that that's who, when they're ready, those are the people that, that need to have those conversations. Do you, let, let me ask you this. I, I was really trying to wrap up, but let me ask you this. <laughs> <laughs> do you do you all think that people are genuinely uncomfortable though because knowing now makes you accountable for the information that you have yeah I think the accountability and it's also just this um, maybe maybe this fear of like where do I start like I, and we've had those conversations at work um, where it's like, I'm afraid to ask questions because I don't want to affect, like they don't even know where to start because they feel like if they ask a question, they're gonna sound ignorant or it might still offend or, you know, so I think it's a combination of that accountability. And then also like, I don't even know where to start. I don't, it, it feels like they're walking a little bit on eggshells. Yeah, it could be tough. Tough scenario. Do you have something to add to that, Stace? I agree. I, I think I haven't read the book, Chris, but I've heard wonderful reviews about it. Great book. It's a great book. I want to read it. Um, yeah, I, I, I do think that there's the fear of oh, maybe I got to change, right? Or mm -hmm. maybe, <laughs> what I, maybe what I know, maybe what I know. And then yes. It isn't really good. Yeah. Right? Yes. Yeah. I mean, I, we have black children and I felt ashamed in some parts of the book where I was like, dang, I missed it. So it, it's, it's real, but you have to be, you have to be willing and ready. Ladies, thank you. Um, 
This is really good. This is just one of my things. I was really looking forward to this. I uh, want to just applaud Chris. She slept in the airport last night <laughs> yes. um, because of all this crazy weather that's going on here. So I really appreciate her getting a nap and then hopping on here. So I want to get her back to bed as soon as possible. <laughs> um, but I, I'm, I'm, listen, I, I, I just want to wrap this up again for those of you who'll be listening to this on the podcast as as well just you know again so so that you know here's 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 the reality i think that if you are uncomfortable starting this conversation with a black person a colleague uh, a neighbor um, somebody who you feel like you can approach and just but you're still uncomfortable with it buy the books buy the white fragility book there's a pastor in chicago who uh, has a phenomenal book called Wide Awake. He talks about his effort to help um, in the community. He talked about how he tried to launch a small group and he wanted to get the kids and uh, to embrace other cultures, specifically black, black cultures. He's, he realized that that didn't work because the kids were like, uh, yeah, we really, you know, are trying to do some other stuff. And then he ultimately ended up having a scenario situation where he went to a um, uh, uh, a meeting where there were African-American pastors there. He went to the meeting to sit in, in the meeting and he's like, I'm trying all this stuff. What am I doing wrong? And they're like, oh, you can sit down. You came to the right place. We, we're going to help you. And so he said that it was eye opening for him. He said because his heart was in the right place to do what he wanted to do. But he was asking the wrong questions mm -hmm. down the wrong path because he was doing it as charity work when it really mm -hmm. needed to be heart level work. You, you understand what I'm saying? It had to, and, and the first thing he said, the pastor told me, he's like, we're not a charity case for you. So if you don't see me as equal to you, he said, then he said, so if you're going to do the work, it's got to be because you're trying to bring me to the same place where you are. And he said, by the way, he said, I want you to know something. He said, you guys think the black people want revenge. He said, black people do not want revenge. We want the same opportunities, opportunities. that you get that, that in, in, in culture. And, and he said, he said, please do not say, well, what about Michael Jordan? And what about Walter Payton? And what about, and he's like, he's like, don't, don't do that. He goes, these are a small, minute group of people. He said, but what you're assuming is, is that we're basketball players and football players. He's like, so when you see us, this is how you see us too. With that, he goes, we're more than athletes, different things along those lines. And so it is a phenomenal book because this dude breaks it down. And I love what he had to say, but I read uh, White Fragility. I also read How Not to Be a Racist. Uh, which was incredible book because it's not what you think it is when you read it. It is an incredible read. Um, he really breaks this whole thing down. And for many of you who think about systemic racism and you say, I'm not racist, this, that, or the other, but let me explain to you in a very short, as quickly as I can, because we're out of time. Systemic racism is not you calling somebody out of their name. That's just you being a racist right, or a bigot, right, or whatever. But systemic racism has to do with policy, has to do with politics, has to do with people voted in the offices, 
who keep yes. systems going, things along those lines, redlining that happens in the community when it comes to housing, different things along those lines. And if you don't, if you're unwilling to take the walk all the way back through history and pay attention, pay attention, pay attention, pay attention to what has happened to people of color throughout this country, whether they, where they said, you can live here, but we're putting all the jobs over here that pay well, and we don't want you over here. So you're gonna have to take the jobs that live here. That keeps a system of poverty going in that scenario. And while I certainly don't agree with the things that have taken place in the poor, lower economic, socioeconomic neighborhoods, at when you are desperate, you're left to do only what you can do simply because the opportunity does not exist for you. So it's easy for someone to say, well, everybody gets a chance to pull themselves up by their bootstraps. This is not a true statement. And that is why I'd like for people when you watch this or listen to this to educate yourself further so that you don't sound ignorant when you have this conversation with somebody thinking that you're really being on their team saying, well, don't we all have the same opportunities? No, we don't have the same opportunities, all right? And so, again, I really do appreciate you ladies for sharing um, these thoughts and ideas. I really hope that people were, uh, will be and were helped by the conversation that we had here uh, tonight. Again, this is a multi-layered uh, issue. It really is because, again, it goes all the way back. It has all these historical roots. It has these political roots. It has policy roots. It's, it's got all of these types of things uh, that go on. And even from predatory lending, which I don't even want to get into, that's a whole nother scenario and situation. But it's just it just is what it is. And so I, you can deny it, but you can't deny it when you see it. And, and so you can say it doesn't exist. Well, you, you live, well, look at your house. No, 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 that's, oh my God, let me stop. Listen, so <laughs> thank you so much, uh, ladies. And for those of you, again, um, who are watching tonight, I'll be bringing some more, um, you know, time like this, conversations like this, I call them crucial conversations. I'll be having some more throughout the year with some other guests, not specifically on this issue, but on other issues as well um, that I think impact us in our culture and that we need to have conversations about. I kind of switch gears in the middle of reinventing myself through my own coaching journey. I wanna make sure that we have an opportunity to introduce people into some hard conversations that a lot of people don't wanna have, but they don't have to be the kind of conversations that cause you to walk away just angry. I really want you to walk right. away thinking about yes. what it is that we talk about. All right. So again, thank you, Stacy and Chris. I really thank you. appreciate thank you. you. All right.